here talking or writing to the Thessalonica church. And he said, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. You may be seated or stand or whatever you feel like doing. So as I read this, and I was talking about what Tony's teaching this morning, and about people hearing and not being doers. And is there anybody here in this building this morning that don't know right from wrong? I said, is there anybody here that don't know what's right from wrong? Everybody knows from what's right and wrong, don't they? You know, we're living in a world today, I guess you might say the same world we lived in, we're living with a different generation of people today. We're living in a world today that believes if it feels good, then do it. We're living in a world today that people, and I've had people say to me, well, in fact, God is as good a God as you say He is, and if He loves me, then He ain't going to send me to hell. How many believe that? How many believe God will send anybody to hell this morning? God don't send nobody. If you go to hell this morning, you'll go because you've made that choice to go this morning. And I want to think upon the thought, and I thought about a text and all, and I'm a simple man with a simple message this morning. But in verse 2, when I read that, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And then back over in Matthew, I thought of verse over in Matthew 24 and 44, it said, Therefore be ye ready, for I come in an hour that ye think not. How many, believe, how many knows when Jesus is going to return? Matter of fact of it is, most people don't believe He's going to return. They're not looking for Him to return. But over in 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, chapter 4 there, I said, did I say verse uh, chapter 4, who I read from, was chapter 5. Chapter 5, I'm sorry. But chapter 4 here was what I was looking at when Paul was writing to the Thessalonica church and he said, he said this to them. He said, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fortification, that every one of you, every one of you, should know how to possess his vessel or his body and sanctification and honor or holiness. As they, anybody in here don't know how to do that? Is anybody in here don't know how to possess your own body? Hit your body. Do you not know how, what God said about how to use your body? We're to use these bodies for the glory of God. Amen. But most people don't use it for the glory of God, such as fornication and this and that and abusing their bodies. But Paul said that you should know how. And I say to you today, church, as long as you, if you've been coming to this church uh, any period of time, you should know what he's saying here. You should know how to possess your own bodies. Amen. Now, we can talk the talk. It's easy to talk the talk, uh, but it's not so easy to walk the walk. Amen. 
Can anybody say amen this morning? It's easy for me to get up here and tell you what you need to do and pretend that I can, I'm doing the same thing and I can scream at you and tell you what you need to do and what the Bible says you need to do and how you need to walk, how you need to talk and everything. But if I get up here in front of you and I preach this to you and then you see me out here this week uh, not living up to what I've preached, then what do you think about me? How long would I last here? How much confidence would you have in me when I stepped in the pulpit on Sunday morning or any other morning? If I talked the talk in church, but I didn't walk the walk out in the world, then what would I be? Where would I be at? Could I expect any difference in the church? In other words, if you see me out here preaching this morning and I tell you fornication is sin, I tell you drunken is sin, I tell you drugs is sin, and I tell you lying is sin, and I tell you mistreating your neighbor is sin, and you see me doing these things during the week, then you ain't going to have no confidence in me, are you? You ain't going to want to hear me, and you shouldn't want to hear me. But Paul said, every one of us should know how to possess our vessels in sanctification and holy. But Paul, people was confused back when Paul was writing this to the first Thessalonica church. They were confused. Do you think people still confused today? They were confused about where their people goes to when they die. You know, a lot of people say, well, when you die, you're dead. That's it. A lot of people say, well, they ain't no hell and they ain't no heaven. Do you believe that this morning? There's even one teaching that when you die, you, if you're lost, you can be prayed, a place called purgatory. You can be prayed out of there. How many believe that? How many believe these three places? Heaven, hell, and purgatory. The Bible tells me they ain't but one or two places we're going to spend eternity. That's either hell or heaven. And if you go, if you die lost, I don't believe there's no priest, and I know I, I'm not a priest, but I'm a preacher this morning, and don't expect me to pray you out of hell because it's not going to happen. No man can do that. No man can save you, and no man, if you die lost, can bring you back and give you another chance, amen. I may be getting a lot of sad looks out there if they're listening to me on or watching this morning. But he said, but of the times and of the season, brother, and he said, let me back up over there in verse 13 here. When they was really confused, and this is what Paul said about the coming of the Lord. He said, but I, but I will not have you to be ignorant. He said, I will not have you to be ignorant, brother. And he's talking to the church, the Christians, concerning them which are asleep or them which are dead, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. See, these people were confused. They had lost people. They had people to die. They didn't know where they were at. And so they had no hope of ever seeing them again. But Paul went ahead and said in verse 14, he said, For if we believe, listen to this, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Amen. Is that pretty simple right there? Paul was talking to a confused bunch of people uh, and I'm talking to people today, I guess, that's confused about it. They was worried about it. They thought they was gone. They'd never see him again. But Paul said, if we believe that Jesus died. In, how many believe that Jesus died as the Bible said it is? How many believe he rose the third day? 
How many believe you're sitting at the right hand of God this morning uh, interceding for you and me this morning? He's sitting there. He's looking down on us. You might say, well, I didn't know he was looking down. And let me tell you something. He's an all I see in God this morning. You said you're this morning and you're doubting the Word of God. God knows your thoughts. Amen. Amen. You may be sitting here this morning thinking about something that's evil. God knows what you're thinking about. You can't, you cannot, people, they could not understand this. But Paul was making his plain he could. He said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. What does that tell us this morning? That tells us that those that sleep in Jesus, those that have been born again and saved, uh, where are they at this morning? They're in the presence of God. They're in heaven this morning. Amen. They're not in purgatory. Those that sleep with Jesus Christ this morning, my mom and dad, my brother and sister. Amen. I believe with all my heart they're right there with Jesus this morning. They're right there in the presence of God this morning. You know why I believe that? Because the Bible said uh, uh, back over there in the Old Testament, it said uh, uh, when the last breath leaves these bodies, uh, that these old bodies go back to the dust of the earth. But our spirit, our living soul, uh, they return to God. Amen. Who gave him? God breathed in us. All we are, just like Paul was, uh, we was created from the dust of the earth, uh, and the dust of the earth shall we return one of these days. These bodies, but thank be unto God today, church. Uh, Paul said, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even to, so them with, also which sleep in Jesus will God uh, bring with him. Amen. Where are they at? They're in the presence of God. Danny, uh, little Danny Jr. died years ago today. He's in the presence of God. And he was saying to these people, why are you worried about that? Don't you understand? You should. You've been told. You've been taught this. But you just don't understand. Why don't people understand a lot of times? Because the Word of God goes in one ear and out the other ear. They're asleep. And we'll get to that in a minute. God laughs. He said, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto, listen to this, the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep with the Lord. You know what that's saying? Have you ever heard that old song, uh, No grave going to hold my body down? For this we say unto you the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the shall not prevent them which are asleep or those that have died. For the Lord himself, boy, listen to this. For I didn't even read all this, but I just seemed like that's the way the Lord was going. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, listen to this, and the dead in Christ shall rise. First, the dead in Christ will not just rise, but they will arise first. Why will they arise first? 
because they're with God. Amen. He said, and those who are alive and remain shall not prevent. Uh, that means we will not uh, uh, we will not have advantage of those uh, that's with the Lord that has died and gone on to be of the Lord. Uh, we won't have advantage. We will not go up in the rapture until uh, the dead in Christ Jesus reigns. Hallelujah! And the Bible said not only that, said he's going to descend with a shout and a trumpet of the archangel, and God, those that are asleep in him, what did it say? God's going to bring them with him. Amen. Woo! Ha <laughs> I'm talking about a day of reckoning, my friend. Amen. One of these days, that's the trumpet's going to sound. And the Lord himself is going to descend out of heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now listen to verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. <laughs> the Bible said one time, or I've been told, somebody told me one time, said the word rapture is not in the Bible. Under the old Greek, it was translated, caught up, and under the old Greek and Hebrew, it was raptured up. But it said it shall be caught up. That means be raptured up. Then we which are alive, is anybody ready to go? How many believe it could happen any moment? <laughs> then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be. Somebody ought to shout, Hallelujah. That's going to be a day of reckoning, a day like it's never been before. Can you imagine if the Lord returned right now? We'd be sitting here in this church, and all of a sudden we'd hear a sound and look up, hear that trumpet and a shout, and see the Lord appear with all our loved ones, and then all of a sudden, the church is going to leave altogether. There's going to be a meeting in the air. Do you ever think about what that song was really singing? There's going to be a meeting in the hour. One of these days, they is. You talking about shouting. I, I, I used to work with a guy, and he said, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in all that old shouting and hand clapping and all that stuff. You don't believe in shouting, Lord? No, I don't believe in that stuff. I said, well, you better not get on the cloud with me because I'm going to shout you off from it. Amen. The Bible said he's going to come to sin with a shout. Hey, man, I got a feeling he won't be the only one doing the shouting when the church looks up and see their loved ones there with the Lord and the Lord himself and we begin to go up. I believe everybody's going to have to let out a shout. Hallelujah. But God help those that's not ready to go that are still here. They're going to look in bewilderment, aren't they? But I think they're going to realize we've missed it. We have missed it. He said, for yourself, know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Are we ready if he does? We can say we're ready, but are we ready? 
We just can't get ready on Sunday and stay ready on Sunday and then Monday go back to living in the world. We can't do that. Maybe some people think the Lord's only going to come on a Sunday. The Bible says, No man knoweth the day of the coming of the Lord. He may be at noon, it may be at midnight, it may be morning. Who knows? Nobody knows. The angels in heaven don't even know. Jesus himself, Brother Dean, according to the Bible, don't know when God is going to go say, Son, go get my children, go get your children, and bring them home. You've bought them with a price of them that belong to you. Go get them. They've been in that old wicked world long enough, and the devil is not going to get them. Go get them. And I believe that day could happen any day, church. I believe it could happen any day. He said, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them that travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now he's talking about those that didn't make it. Peace and safety. People are living in a world today. And I don't believe the majority of the people really knows what peace is. They think peace is just living, doing what if it feels good, do it. And they don't realize truly that Jesus is coming back. They've got so far out in sin. They've darkened their hearts, allowed the devil to darken their hearts. You know, Satan, Satan is the accuser of the brethren and sisters. You know that? A Christian don't need to be condemning another Christian. They should be a praying for them, lifting them up and helping them. As the Bible says, we need to lift one another up and help them on their way. We don't have to point fingers and judge our brothers and sisters, amen, or condemn them. The devil, that's his job to do, and he's doing it well. Uh, but sometimes he's using, I think, some of God's people uh, to do his job. Amen. Do you think it's wrong to condemn or judge your brothers and sisters? It's wrong, church. You say, well, Brother Ralph, Brother Ralph, you know, you don't know what so-and-so's done to me. You don't know what so-and-so said to me. Does that give us a right to condemn them just because they done us wrong? Does that give us a right to turn around and do them wrong? Y'all hear people say, well, they said this about me. I'm going to start a rumor on them. I'm going to lie on them. I'm going to get them in trouble. Your kids ever lie on another kid to get them in trouble? Mine used to. They'd tell on one another just to get them into trouble. Satan, the Bible says, is going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. And just because you go to church on Sunday morning, that don't mean you'd be ready for heaven on Monday morning. And he said he's coming. How quick is he coming? When they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman. How? What is he talking about, travail upon a woman? He's talking about you women know that's had a child. You know when them labor pains start, you know that it's getting close, hey man? And that's the way the Lord is when the labor pain starts coming upon you, then you're going to bring a deliverance to a son or a daughter, hey man? 
Let me tell you, that's how quick Jesus is coming back just like that. And it's not going to stop them. When them labor pains starts later, you know when that baby starts, you're not going to stop it, hey man. And that's the way it is when Jesus is going to appear one of these days. He said, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness as that day which should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light. What does light and darkness, what does that represent? Jesus is represented as the light. The devil is represented as the darkness. And he said, you are not of the children of light. Church, we are not. We are the children of light here this morning. Amen? Amen. We're the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. Uh, talking about spiritually sleep, what he's talking about. As do others, but let us watch and let us be sober. In other words, let us watch and be ready. Be clear-minded. Do not forget that Jesus could come any minute. I believe if we had every one of us to stop and think about that every morning, Jesus, this might be the day that Jesus is coming. And Lord, help me to live my life that I'll be ready to live. For they sleep and sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Amen. Or the hope of salvation. Faith and hope. For God, listen to this, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wake or sleep, you say, what in the world does that mean? If we are awake, that means alive. It don't matter if we are alive or if we are dead, we should live together with Him. Amen. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If I go over the grave, then I go over the grave. You know, if the rapture takes place and I'm still here, I'm going to go in the rapture. Either way, by the grave or by the rapture, I'm going to be with Jesus throughout eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. Tony's talking about the pastor and the sacrifices. You have no clue, church, of sacrifices as a pastor and his wife does, unless you've been there and done it. See, you've just got you and your family really to think about. Me and my wife, for instance, we've got our family to think about, and they all three children live away. But we've got our problems, and I figure a pastor, I figure your problem is my problem, and that's what I'm here for, is to help you. Somebody, well, Billy told me, and then Janet made a statement, something about uh, uh, the other day, and said, Billy was out the house one day, and he said, well, Ralph, he said, I'll tell you what, he said, Satan has really come on attack of you and your wife the last three years. Janet, I came into church, she said, you all have really went through something the last three years or so, and he has. Satan has attacked at me and her. You know why he's attacking us so? You know why? Because he don't like us. And we don't like him. He's my enemy. I may be his enemy, but he don't know. But I'm his worst enemy. Amen. Because if God will allow me to, I'll go right down in the pits of hell with God and I'll bring out my lost family if they go there. We've all got problems, hey man. And the Bible tells us we are supposed to help one another. Not put down and not destroy one another, 
That's what the devil would like for every church to do, and that's what he's done in a lot of churches. Amen, D? That's what he's done in a lot of churches. They've allowed the devil to get in, and people can't get along. He said, Wherefore, comfort yourself together, edify one another, even as also ye do. And let me go on down here, and he said, and I'm going to finish up. As we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And admonish, he's talking about in the church, he's talking about the elders and the pastors. You're supposed to help them, pray for them, lift them up. Amen. Because they're really the one that's going through and protecting the people, protecting God's people the best they can. Amen. So if they've got somebody that loves the church calling and they've got somebody's concerned about God's people, uh, then the devil, he, who's he going to attack first? He's going to attack us first. Yeah, we've been under attack. He attacks me every day. But let me tell you something. Uh, I've got something in me greater than what he is. Hey, Amen. Because the Bible says greater is he uh, and greater is he that's in here than he that's in the world. And we just need to remind Satan of that, Brother Tracy. Uh, when he comes to us, does the devil ever come to you and try to tell you this? Truth? He does all of us. Hey, Amen. Don't listen to the devil. Say, get behind me, Satan. But sometimes, how many times, uh, sometimes we all listen to the devil just a little too long. And when you let, when you let him, he'll come in a little place like that. Well, a very little thing. But if you start listening to that little thing, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, Paul. And next thing you know, he's going to convince you there ain't nobody living right. You're the only one. He said, and we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See, none, see that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man or anybody. Why? I've heard people say, and I used to say it myself when I was in, living in another life. Well, they've done this to me. I'm going to get even with them. Did you ever say that? I'm going to get even with them. I know what they said. I know what they've done. They ain't gonna get even. They ain't gonna get away with. I'm gonna get even with them. Is that the way to do things? He said, "Don't render evil for evil to anybody." Why does he say that? Oh, in the book of Corinthians, he said, uh, "How is he said it that God is what? God is a judge." How is that they say that that verse over there? Uh, Don't you render evil for evil? God said, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He said, I'll repay ever what somebody does to you. You just leave it alone. God said, I'll repay. And that payment, when God repays you, you'll know it. He said, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but fall, ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Paul said, rejoice in tribulation, rejoice in sickness, rejoice in all these troubles and in these trials. Why? Because you think about what God went for and how he suffered uh, for us. Does it, well, we ought to shout hallelujah when we suffer for the cross of Christ this morning. I thank God for the sacrifices that I have made 
for the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. My reward is not here. My reward is waiting for me when I get to heaven. The Bible says, eye has never seen, or ear has never heard, it's never entered into the heart of man. Uh, he said, what is in store for us in heaven? Amen. I Paul, I preached last week, I'm not looking back where I've been and where I went through in the sinful life. I left. I'm not looking back. I'm pressing forward uh, to the high price of the high calling of Jesus Christ. And that prize that I'm going to get one of them is eternal life with Jesus Christ. No matter what we go through here, how much we suffer here, I believe when the death angel comes and gets us, are we going to rapture? However, I don't believe we'll look back when we get to heaven and remember one, one, one of these sufferings that we went through for Christ. Amen? Some people say, boy, I don't know why God let me go through this. I don't know why God, I don't know what I've done. Did you know sometimes God will use Christian people to suffer? And he's got a purpose for it. Amen. Do you think God tests us all sometimes? Do you think the devil tempts us all sometimes? Do you think God tempts us? Do you think the devil tempts us? God will test us, won't he? I was reading in the Bible one day in a study of the Bible, and I was reading down there, God will take good Christian people sometimes to go through some sufferings for His glory that it might help others, amen, to get through it. Every battle we go through, Mark, people don't like to go through storms. They don't like to go through battles, do they? But let me tell you something. If there wasn't no battles, there wouldn't be no victories. Amen. But let me tell you something. The devil, Janet, has come attack on me and my wife. I know that, my family. But let me tell you something, church. He ain't just brought an attack on me and her. He brought an attack on this whole church. On the whole church. You know, you're under attack, Paul. Tony, you're under attack. You're under attack, April Tim. You're under attack. We're all under attack from Satan. You know why? You know why you're under attack? Because the devil don't like what's going on here. He don't, he, he's really mad, huh? And we come and we preach the word and we sing hallelujah joyful song and we clap our hands and we raise our hand and we praise God. All that just drives the devil crazy. Amen. And I'll mean to do it every chance I get. Amen. I'll drive him plumb out of his mind if I can. It said pray without ceasing. Now you might say, well how in the world are you going to pray all the time? Pray without ceasing means don't never stop. It don't mean that. It just means you need to be in the, uh, in the what is it? Uh, the attitude of prayer in your heart all the time. Sometimes, you, it don't mean you've got to pray audibly, out loud all the time. People think you've got to pray out loud all the time. You don't have to have, you just need to be in a, in a realm of prayer at all times. Sometimes I go to bed and I lay there and I pray. My wife don't hear me. Sometimes I'll sit in a chair and I'll sit there crazy and I'll pray. Sometimes when I go eat a meal, I don't pray out loud. I just bow my head and I thank God for my church, my family, my wife, and everything else. Food that he put on my table. I see my wife do that sometimes. Sometimes we pray out loud, sometimes we don't. It's not how you pray, it's what you're praying about. And the attitude of prayer that you're in. 
And everything give thanks. Boy, that there's a good one, ain't it? I'm trying to shut up, and I just can't right now. And everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, he said, give thanks always for all things. And everything give thanks. That means give thanks through the battles that we go through. Did you, have you ever went through a real battle? I mean, a real strong battle. I mean, you just didn't think you were going to make it, but you're afraid to give up on God because you know if you give up on God and on the battle you're going through, you know you're going to lose. But boy, just struggle and struggle and struggle. You preachers, teachers, y'all ever have a y'all ever have a trouble in getting a message together or a lesson together? That's when the devil is coming against us. But if we just Keep on keeping on, Mark. And we get through that battle. Don't think it's going to be your last battle. It's not. But when you get through that battle and you look back over that battle that you've been through, and you're going to see how much stronger you are by going through it. And every, let me tell you, every battle is going to get worse. Did you know that? Every battle is going to get worse. You know, well, yeah, and you know why it's going to get worse? Because every battle you go through, you're, he's just getting you stronger and stronger for the next battle. And one of these days, and it ain't going to be long, we're going to be faced with the greatest battle we've ever been faced with. Because Satan is putting an attack on America, too. Amen. It said, quench not the spirit. What in the world does that mean, quench not the spirit? What does that mean? Don't put out the fire. <laughs> Don't put out the fire. How do you quench? And I was reading and study Bible this. And I thought, quench not the spirit. And it said that there are some Christians can put out the spirit in other Christians. And I got to thinking about that. And that's true. How do you put out the fire? Did ever, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in church? And I mean the Holy Ghost was moving. People were shouting and, and, and all of this and that. And, and you wanted to get up and do it too, but you were afraid somebody would see you. Afraid somebody would see you. That's quenching the Spirit. He said, if the fire's burning, let it burn. Hey, man. It said, and these Christians will sit back and look at other Christians because they don't understand the Holy Ghost, such as rejoicing in the Lord. I mean, they've never come to that point in their life. They really know what it means. Speaking and praying and giving me in tongues. And they say, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. When somebody's doing it. And they can quench the Spirit. Did you know that? We can sit back. Any of us can do it. And probably we've all done it. Sit back when God specifically told us to get up and do something, get up and say something, and we'll sit back there and look around. Well, what will them people think? Even us going to the altar. Christian, go to the altar. Well, I'd like to go up there and pray for this and pray for that. And I've got a problem I'd like to go pray about. But what will people, people think? Wonderful. Well, what in the world have I done? What in the world have I got out here and done? 
Let me tell you something, people. Don't worry about other people thinking what you've done. First place, it's none of their business. And the second place, if they loved you, they'd be up here praying with you. Who do you think the altar was first built for? They was they were built for the church, for the Christians. Hey, man, that's who they're built for, to bring their sacrifices and, and, and all, to the altar. Hey, man, they're burnt for the Christians. Uh, and I've just said before, and I'll say it again, if the church and Christians and every church would use the altar more, uh, then maybe there would be more lost people come and use it. But the lost people got to the point where they're afraid, well, if I go to the altar, they'll wonder what I've done or want to know what I've done. Nobody don't need to be asking you what you've done. It ain't none of their business. And you may just be coming and praying for a loved one or through a situation you're going through. And we'll be glad to pray with you. Amen.